Today on the TJ TV podcast, we are joined by America's Got Talent, former finalist from season six, Landell Eugene Murphy Jr., only on the TJ TV podcast. Time.
what a beautiful cover. God damn, that's such a great song. Hey yo! What is poppin' everybody? Welcome to the TJ TV Podcast, only on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and much more. What is poppin' everybody? Welcome to the show. How is everyone doing on this dreary, dreary Friday? Anyways guys, welcome to the show. Hope you guys are enjoying this beautiful Friday. We have a good fun spectacular interview that we are going to be doing today today we have on landell eugene murphy jr former america's got talent finalist sorry i had to gather my thoughts for a second how's everyone doing on this beautiful day anyways welcome to the show anyways if you guys are new make sure you smash that like subscribe turn on post notifications on Spotify and Anchor. Also, go follow me, TJ TV, on Facebook and YouTube. TJ's Vlogs on YouTube. The Spirit Project on YouTube. And much, much more, everyone. Welcome to the show, guys. It's going to be a fun day. I have a fun, spectacular interview. And uh, I just, like, really, really am tired. Today has been, like, one of the worst, like, days. Like, whenever it rains, I have to say, it makes me really tired. And I think it's just everybody that gets tired, you know, when it comes to having like a rainstorm or thunderstorm or something. And the fact of the matter is, like, I think with everything going on, like, throughout the week, it was so nice and so, like, sunny and whatnot. It was just, like, one of the perfect weeks to have in May. And then we wake up on Friday morning and it's complete, like, drear and gray and makes you tired. And I'm just like, oh my god, like, kill me now, please. Jeez. <laughs> but, anyways, it should be a fun day today. I got a long weekend ahead of me. I'm actually going to be working all weekend. I'm going to be doing a dog walk tomorrow for my station that I'm working at. And I'm also going to be here back at the station on Sunday because I'm at the station right now doing a show. Um, I'm going to be here on Sunday. So, and then I got to be back in here on Monday. So it should be a fun week, like really just fun. Also, I'm going to be doing like a lot of um, activities this weekend as well. We're going to be seeing the Doctor Strange movie, Tori and I, and we're. she's like, I don't remember watching Doctor Strange 1. I'm like, we watched it. I recited the whole movie. She's like, I want to watch it again. 
So when I get home tonight, I'm going to have to watch it. Then I have to get up in the morning because <laughs> like, I got to get up super early tomorrow. I got to get up at like 5 a.m. and be back at the station at 6 just to go somewhere. Unless it gets canceled, which I don't think it's going to. But um, if it gets canceled, then I don't have to get up at all. But I've been getting up early for the last week, and I just need one day just to sleep in. And I think Sunday is going to be the day where I sleep in, because, but I have to be back here at like 10 which is going to suck, but hey, it is what it is. Anyways, guys, we have a fun, fulfilled show today. I have a few things I want to talk about before we get on with the interview. He's about to come on any second. But, yeah. So, I have to say, I was doing a Zoom meeting the other day. And I was using my own account. And for some odd reason, Zoom screwed me up. Zoom pretty much gave me a 40-minute limit. Now, back when Zoom first started, they didn't have anything like that. You could do Zoom for free. And now that you're doing a 40-minute limit, I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, why? Why is Zoom giving me a limit to actually post when I want to post? Like, I want to do a long-form podcast. I was having a good... And so, the 40-minute limit deal that I had, I'm just like, what the fuck? This sucks. But... Yeah, so, like, when I looked on Zoom, I was just like, all right, I got to figure out something to, like, get this thing going. I want everything to be perfect when I do these interviews. And when I say perfect, I mean, like, poof, 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 That sounded like an idiot. In any event, yeah, I wanted to make everything perfect, and it just didn't work. I was like, what the hell, guys? This sucks. And in any event... It was just one of those things where I'm just like, ugh, I'm done. So now I got to pay like $14 a month or like 140 bucks a month just to figure out how I get certain things done, you know? Can anybody hear this? Hey, yo, hey, yo, hey, hey, yo. Uh, actually, that's pretty good. I don't know if anyone can hear that. People are probably going to be listening to the show and be like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? He's on drugs. I'm not on drugs, I wish. But, yeah. No, I don't wish that. I don't wish anybody that. But, yeah. Going to work today was actually kind of a bitch, too, because there was, like, a road. Like, there were two cops, and they were it closed off, like, I don't even think it was a mile. So I was driving down, and I take the usual route that I usually do. And when I drive, I'm just like, all right, this is pretty cool, I guess. I stop, and I was just like, why are there cops here? Turns out I don't even know why cops were there. I was a little pissed off that the cops just, like, blocked off the road for no reason. I mean, there probably was a reason. I'm not going to, like, say that there wasn't one. But I think there... I don't know what their whole objective was. But I don't know. But... Um... What else? It's going to be a long weekend for me. It's one of those weekends where I really, like, never have a long weekend. But today, in fact, it's just, like, a long weekend. I'm like, oh. 
that's what I'm like dreading the most. So it's gonna be a long day for everybody. I'll be here back in here on Monday, and be like, Ugh. I didn't have one like seven days off afterwards, but it is what it is. But in any event, I'm gonna go. Oh wait, actually, Landell is on Zoom. Wow, that was quick. I like that. I do. I like when people just come on and they're, you know, happy and they come on right away. All right. I'm done. All right. I'll see you guys for the interview. Let's get it. Let's get to it. All right. I am here with. Landell Eugene Murphy Jr. He was on America's Got Talent, the winner of season six. Yes, sir. How are you doing today? Good, man. I finished tinkering on my little old school. <laughs> <laughs> so, what got you into music? Uh, Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson? Yeah, Michael Jackson. Well, I come from, uh, you know, my, my dad played in a band, and, you know, I had uncles and you know, cuz that always played in bands and stuff, but I think it was Michael Jackson just performing that made me want to actually be a performer. You know, just singing and dancing in the living room with my sisters and brothers. Did you ever have to do like any acting class or not acting, I'm sorry. Like, did you ever have to go to any like music teachers to learn how to like sing or did it just come natural to you because of your dad? Uh, it just came natural. Yeah, I, I've never had a vocal lesson or anything like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember one time uh, before America's Got Talent, I was I had opened up for the uh, Manhattans, Ray Goodman and Brown, and I think the Spinners or something like that in Fairmont, West Virginia. They liked me so much, they took me to New York. When I got to New York, this lady hooked me up with this guy named Chris Curd. And he was supposed to be like my vocal coach, but when I went in and I actually like do it, he just gave me my money back. It's like, there's nothing I can teach you. All you need to do is go get on the stage. So. Yeah, I never, I've never had like a vocal lesson. What was the biggest crowd you performed before America's Got Talent? Uh, State Fair, something like that. You know, I was doing like a whole lot of things like that, just you know, singing for charity and homeless shelters and veterinarians facilities, things like that, abused children. Um, it was just something that I was doing. So, like the biggest, probably the biggest show was maybe the Vaudeville show before all of that. And the show that happens here in Logan, West Virginia, Logan County, and the weekend programs, which is a program that sends like a less fortunate kids to summer camps and things like that. And you're originally from West Virginia, right? Yes, I am. West by God, Virginia. Don't you forget the by God. <laughs> <laughs> now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I read a story. You had to move from West Virginia to Detroit in the middle of the night out of the blue. Why yeah. Why did that happen? Well, my mom and dad separated, but uh, I wanted to live with my dad. And my mom wasn't having that, you know, because uh, due to welfare, she was, like, getting the check for us and all that stuff. My dad was, like, a coal miner. He had got some injuries. He was kind of laid off, so he really couldn't take care of us. So it was like, you know, we was cooking pizza on a grill. You know what I'm saying? We had to heat up our water because our water was turned off. So she wanted to take us away from that. 
And one day they like took us and overnight I woke up in Detroit. You know what I'm saying? Like seeing buildings. I'm on the freeway, like, where are we at? Where's the mountains? Where's the trees? You know, and we ended up in Detroit in like 1984, 85, right after it was like right after a family reunion in Dayton, Ohio. That's what ended up happening. My brother ended up coming up, my older brother, who is not my father's son, came and got us. And he was like, man, we're about to have a family reunion. Y'all want to go? And we asked my dad. And he was like, yeah, y'all can go. You need to meet the rest of your family. So when we got up there, my mom was actually already in Detroit, but she came to Ohio with her new boyfriend. And while we were at the family reunion, she just grabbed us right then when everybody was getting ready to go back to their home states or whatever, she took us to Detroit. And I stayed up there for 16 and a half years, man. You know, and I just, just part of my life now. And you grew up around Seven Mile? Yeah, Seven Mile. Detroit, it was, um, uh, Evergreen and Linden is where I grew up, right about the Smith Home Project. So I went to Redford High School. First, I went to Harding Elementary, then the Redford High School. What was it? What was it like? The atmosphere moving from North Carolina, the mountainside, to just like a big like city in Detroit. Oh, it was a big culture shock. You know, I, I never. I mean, coming up in West Virginia, the only black people that I had seen was like my relatives, you know, and, <laughs> and close neighbors. And when I got to Detroit, it was, you know, Chocolate City. It's just like everybody was my color, you know, and then it was just like, wow. Can't believe it. But then you got to deal with all of the violent aspect of it also. You know, it was a whole lot of police chases and gunshots and helicopters. I mean, just crime everywhere, man. And it was it was the crack boom era. So this is 1984 when like crack really hit, this, you know, in the block. So I had to grow up. I had to adapt to that whole lifestyle. So the, the, the toughest thing that I had seen before that was probably Dukes of Hazzard. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That <laughs> Roscoe Pico train. You know what I'm saying? That was that was probably the toughest thing that I had seen up until that point. But you know, once I got to Detroit, I just kind of. Stayed in my own way, you know, I was picked on a lot, bullied a lot because of my accent. And I had long hair, but it wasn't even dreaded up yet. It was just my mom would always braid my hair and do things like that. But it was just, it was just a whole different environment, man. My school was like, uh, you ever seen the movie Lean On Me? Yeah. That's what my school was like. They actually chained the doors, all of that, the drug dealers and the, you know, the robbers and thieves and rapists out of the school. We had a mini police station. Many D- Detroit police stations in the basement of my school. Really? And metal detectors. And you know, and then go to your, your class. But it was just crazy. You'll see uh, kids coming to school with guns. Some teachers got shot. Some teachers got hit with hammers. You know what I'm saying? Right in front of you. So you just, you know, I just stayed in my lane. I, I stayed away from all of that, you know, playing basketball and going to church and drawing a lot and I would cut everybody's hair in the neighborhood so it was kind of it kept me away from you know the drug life right that's how my old high school is now like it's bizarre wow like we don't so we don't they don't chain the door but they have metal detectors and like my wife's little brother and the nephew that goes there they have to have clear backpacks they can't have regular backpacks anymore right you have to have an ID and all of that yeah 
Yeah, that's crazy. To go to class, you have to have an ID. Like, I was like, I ain't driving. <laughs> well, I have a driver's license. Yeah, well, I got to have an ID. But they made us get laminated ID. You know, and you don't ride like the, uh, the school bus. You ride, you know, the city transit. So you get on like, a, I think it was called the DOT or something like that. But you have to have a, a pass to get on that too with like this purple dot in it. And a lot of us that couldn't get that, we would just make a fake one. You know what I'm saying? You would yeah. get take this. You heat it up and open it up and put like this little purple dot in. You splash it real quick and they would let you on the bus. <laughs> yeah, man. So a lot of just just growing up fast, man. And that's what that's what a lot of people have to go through nowadays. Just growing up fast. I mean. Yeah. I know personally, I know a lot of people that had to grow up fast, but me, I didn't really have to grow up as fast as most people, you know, yeah. I, I live right outside. I used to live right outside of Philly. Now I live like 30 minutes away from Philly. All right. I'm getting too crazy out there. Yeah, it was nuts, man. That was just, that was just a crazy part. But the great thing that I took from it, it, it just made me a stronger person. I mean, I was so green when I came from here. I didn't realize how green I was. Until you know, the city like opened my eyes, opened my eyes up to the you know the the other part of the world. Like um, you know, most of the time I was playing with my GI Joes at this time. I'm only like 10, 11 years old, but the kids that I was playing with would play in the sandbox with me. And then they would get up and run off and run over to a car, and I didn't know why, but they come back and fold up like three thousand dollars to put it in their pocket and keep on playing with me like nothing happened. Well, I didn't realize what they were doing, but they was actually just selling drugs. They were selling drugs like right there, like 10 to 13 years old. Kids just selling drugs for the for the for the kingpin or whatever. Right. You know, and I always wonder why they had new Jordans on or new starter jackets and things like that, gold chains. And they was living in the projects. I'm like, how do you afford any of this stuff? But that's what they were doing. Do you find it? wrong that kids young kids are doing that nowadays and do you think like it, there should be like a change in that oh yeah it's definitely wrong it's wrong for adults to do it too it's just uh you know it's just a way of life when you when you're in the hood that's that's what it is i mean you don't have too many opportunities you know what i'm saying and so like a lot of those kids they they grow up idolizing the pimp and the drug dealer that's on the block because he's got all the flashy things. Everything that you dream of, that drug dealer has. He has the car, he has the women, he has the jewelry, the clothes, shoes. Everybody loves him when he comes around. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of kids, they run up to the ice cream truck, he's standing there handing out dollar bills, you know, until they get to that right age. And then he's handing them a bag of dope. Like, look, go over there and sell this dope, man. You can have all this too, and they'll do it. They're going to do it. Fortunately for me, I had a mom that was scary. My mom always told me if I sold them drugs and I got caught selling drugs, she would kill me. And I believe it. <laughs> it was that old saying, I brought you into this world and I take your ass out. <laughs> That's what she was saying to me all the time. So I just never, I just never did it. I was scared of my mom more than I was anybody in the street. That's what I was. I was always scared of my mom. Right. I was scared of my mom, man. Like, I was terrified of my mom, and I, I thank God for that, you know, because it saved my life. Yeah, and I feel like with a lot of kids nowadays, their parents are afraid to, like, 
may, they, the parents are more concerned about being friends with their kids than like, you know, disciplining. So at least they, some of them are. Well, they have to be. Because now kids know that if my mom hits me, I can call the police and she goes to jail and then I'll go off into a foster parent or whatever. You know, so kids, so parents today don't have that authority no more. My mom whooped me with stitching cords and curtain rods or <laughs> my my matchbox race car tracks. Like she would come to my school with rolls in her head. And I knew I was in trouble. You know what I'm saying? Like me in the bathroom with my with my Christmas gift and whoop me crazy. And then send you back to class and you sit there sniffing trying to Trying to do your work and all the kids laughing at you like, man, man shut up. <laughs> you know? But parents can't do that no more. You can't hit your kid today because the, the government will, you know, they come and lock you up or take your kids away from you. So you really can't discipline your kids no more. You have to sit them down and talk to them. And if they don't, if they're just not mentally capable of hearing you, then they're gonna still go down that wrong path. If you raise your hand to hit them, then here comes, you know. Child Protective Service, they come in and grab it. Yeah. It's you know? nuts. Yeah. So I don't really blame it on the parents today. I blame it on, you know, the system. The system, yeah. system is like messed up. They won't let you uh, control your kids the way that you know how to control your kids. You know, yeah. so you have to walk that thin line, man. Yeah, definitely. Now let's let's get on to America's Got Talent because I know I've watched you from the beginning. I, it sounds kind of weird, but I did watch you when you first started. Like I used to love that show. Um, how did you how did you like go about it? Like how did you go and audition? Well, the whole backstory to that is that when I before America's Got Talent, I was doing my little one man show. I was singing Frank Sinatra for, like I said, the veterans, abused children, abused women, things like that. And while I was away one time, somebody kicked my door in and took all the copper out of my walls, the chandelier, the new floor that I put in. I mean, all my furniture, all my clothes. So in my mind, I got this side of Detroit. It's like, yeah, we're about to get all this back. We're going to go just rob every drug dealer that come to Logan County. But then on this side, it was like, no been performing for your friends and family since you were three years old. All you need is a bigger stage. And I sit there and thought about that with tears in my eyes. Right at that moment, I'm sitting on my mom's bed and and the TV goes to a commercial and it was Howie Mandel. Are you the next winner of America's Got Talent? Do you have what it takes to headline your own show in Vegas? Are you our next million dollar prize winner? I am talking to you. And I was like, whoa. It's like, that's it. That's it. So I went in another room, signed up online, waited for a confirmation email. They sent me that and they told me to wait for a phone call. When the phone call came in, maybe like two or three weeks later, they called and asked to speak to me and the girl that I was with hung the phone up. I was like, yeah, right, click. <laughs> so they called back like, ma'am, please don't hang up. We're looking for a land dude, land daddy, Eugene Murphy Jr. She starts screaming. I was like, yeah, that's them. Give me the phone. I grabbed the phone. They was like, you seen where you submitted, you know, your uh, application to audition for the show? You can do it in two different ways. You can go to several different states, or you can just submit a video. And I was like, I want to go to New York. So I saved up all the money that I had, and I went to New York to um, Jacob Javis Center. I think that's in Manhattan, I believe. 
to Jacob Javits Center in, in New York City. And um, once I did that, it just it changed my life, man. Now, did you have to go to like to a separate audition versus the actual audition audition? Because I met a guy who went to America's Got Talent and he had to do a different audition and then he had to do the actual audition. Yeah, yeah, that's the way it goes. You go to like, a, I guess when they're calling everybody in, everybody who wants to audition, you go to like the Jacob Javits Center. It's like Cobo Hall Arena or something, like a big arena. So all these uh, ropes that you got to go through. And everybody's practicing their routines over here and over there, and you know what I'm saying? And then when you get to the front of the line, you hand them the, uh, the big contract that you have to uh, fill out before you even go. It's like this thick. And it's a confidentiality contract. It basically tells you that you can't talk about what you did. You have to go there, do it, and then come home and can't say anything. So once I did that, I blew their mind and they was like, look, what we want you to do is just go home and lock yourself in a room. Don't go to the gas station, don't go to parties, don't do anything because you can't have anything on your record, like a speeding ticket or a warrant for your arrest or prior stuff 10 years back. They check your whole background. Luckily, my background was already clean, so I didn't have anything on it. So they just told me to lock myself in the room and wait for my ticket. So once they sent me the ticket, I think it was April the 1st. So I auditioned April Fool's Day <laughs> at the Hammerstein Theater. That's the audition that you guys saw where I stuck the gun in my pocket when I had on the jacket and all of that. So, um, and then it aired May 31st, which is about to air again this May 31st again. So uh, it aired May 31st, and I was sitting at home watching it, but I couldn't tell anybody what I had done. <laughs> so yeah you do that first audition and then if you make it on the show they call you back and they fly you back out they pay for your meals they fix all your clothes everything and then you know you're on the show until somebody like buzzes you off or whatever now and then once you like got to the next round like obviously people knew that you were on the show did they like say like hey what's going on like did they ask you if you're like if you were going to the next round after like the uh oh yeah man I, I caused a five six car pile up in front of my house just taking out my trash <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't go in Walmart and get out I would go to Walmart at like 2 p.m. I wouldn't get out to like 12 30 1 o'clock in the morning just signing autographs taking pictures with everybody like it was crazy crazy but you still can't tell anybody anything you still have to just be like, you just got to keep watching. got to keep watching. And you just keep them watching. You start posting it. And then you get the, the, the privilege of posting, you know, the AGT sign on your Facebook profile or your Instagram, your Twitter, all of that. So you want people to watch the show. You want to keep them watching, keep them engaged. So they give you all this stuff that you need to start, you need to start posting so you can keep everybody tuned in. And once you do that, you know, it's great, but they might see you this week and next week you're gone, but they still playing little clips of you, you know, but uh, you still can't tell nobody anything. You're under that contract for like a year or two. Now, did you know that you were going to win like in the beginning? Because I know how some, I know how some like game shows, they always like say like, all right, you're going to be the winner, but we're going to just keep you on the show and keep everything, keep like, keep everything going. Because that's how my cousin was. Like he was on, it was called the Next Great American Band. 
and yeah. he knew he was going to be in fourth place, and they knew that this one band was going to be in first place. You didn't know any of that? They don't tell you any of that. And the crazy part about America Got Talent is when you first audition, it's up to those three judges sitting in front. At the time when I was on there, it was only three judges. It was uh, Pierce Morgan, Howie Mandel, and Sharon Osbourne. Then you had Nick Cannon as the host. Now they have four judges, so I don't know how they, if they changed it or not. Like, But when you were on the show, you didn't know what was going on. And like, it was up to the judges whether you were going to make it to the live rounds. But once you make it to the live rounds, you got to realize it's out of the hands of the judges. It's all up to the fans out in the TV world, out here at home. So your thing is to make sure that you're appealing to the people at home sitting on the couch watching, because those are the ones that are voting for you now. It's not the judges no more. The judges have no decision on whether you make it to the next round or the next round or the next round once you get to those live rounds. So once you make it through the, the screening and the audition and all of that and the Vegas week and Hollywood week and all of that other stuff, and you get to the live rounds, you're pretty much set. It's all of you. It's up to it's, America. Yeah, it's up to America right there, mom. You know? So I was just thankful that America loved me. You know, and they kept me on the show and kept it going. Wow. Who's your favorite judge? My favorite judge was uh, Howie Mandel. Howie you know, Mandel? I, I grew up with, you know, him on the Muppets, Bobby's World, Fraggle Rock. You know, he was the voice for all of those things. So that's why when I first came out, I said what I said. Hello, my name is Bobby. You know, and I did the whole thing. And he just, the whole place, like, erupted when I did that. Which is crazy. Who was your least favorite? Um, I don't think none of them was my least favorite, but if I had to pick, it would have been Pierce Morgan because he was kind of stuck up. You know, Pierce has that thing where he had to be the bad guy. You know, he was the bad judge, but I broke him in, you know, so I, I love all of them, and they all, like, treated me like royalty, you know, once I got past that first audition. You know, once they seen my personality, they just they just embraced me, man, and none of them treated me bad at all. Nobody on the show treated me bad except for one guy, like there was a stagehand or something. He would always like run me out of the room. Like I would be in the room talking to everybody, and he would be like, Landa, go to wardrobe. And I'm like, why well, I always gotta go to wardrobe? Why me? Every time I come in here, he wants to send me to wardrobe. But you know, he ended up being a big fan of mine now. He's like a huge fan of mine. He kept trying to get me to change my genre, change this, don't wear that. I was like, man, I'm doing this my way. I'm gonna do it the way that I do. He's like, I'm trying to tell you, man. Seen so many people come through here. You know, they don't change up their style. Like, it's old. I was like, man, it's Frank Sinatra music, bro. It's never old. This stuff is lifetime and blue sky, puffy cloud music. Plus, I'm singing to all the grandparents sitting at home on the couch that don't get to watch Golden Girls or Gunsmoke no more. <laughs> you know, this is their <laughs> music. They're going to vote for me. And I'm glad that I believe that in my heart and I stuck to it because if I don't listen to him, I probably wouldn't be sitting around them where I am today. Yeah, no, that I like that though. But I remember just watching the whole thing, and like I never thought the voting would actually work. I just thought it was always like, you know, all right, we know this person's gonna win. No, um, it's real voting. Like I tried to vote for myself, and it was so tied up that I had a busy signal. So I, I was scared. I was like, I can't even vote for myself. Like, what's going on? But yeah, I won by the biggest margin in that show's history. Right now, I still hold the record for most votes on that show. Like it was a landslide. 
how much, I mean, I had every state across America except for Iowa and Montana. They tell you that? Like, they tell you, like, I mean, they show you the demographic. It's just like, you know, the election. You know how you got the blue and the red states? Yeah. Yeah, I had it all across the board, bro. <laughs> like, except <laughs> for Iowa and, and Montana. Those are the only two states that I wouldn't win in. But that's, that's, you know, that's a landslide. There's no way that anybody could have beat Right. Now you're now let's just picture this was the last round. You're in the top four. What was going through your mind? This was the I think it was the final round, right? It was between four of you guys, I believe. Yeah, it was me and a Graceman Pop Life silhouettes. Me and a Graceman Pop Life and silhouettes, yes. And at that time I was thinking I'm about to go home. And then Nick Cannon put the prank on me. You remember he was like, Land down, everybody's like, oh. Then he's like, wait a minute, you're both going through. And then I picked her up and spun her around. I was like, oh, God, let me put this little girl down. That's no television. They let me put her down. But at that time, I was thinking, like, thank God I get to go home now to just do what I really want to do. I'm Thank you guys for the platform. I thank you for, you know, for everything that you give me. Let me go home and do my thing now. Because like I said, before Max got talent, I was already doing shows. I was already doing you know, shows around my community in Kentucky and Ohio and in West Virginia, on my way to Tennessee, on my way to like other places, man. But, you know, hitting rock bottom in your life, it just changed the whole thing. And when I went on the show, I just used that. A lot of people was like, don't go on TV singing Frank Sinatra, man, you got to do Motown. But see, in my mind, I know all those judges have seen any African-American male sing you know, my girl, Temptations, but they've never seen somebody who looks like me stand up there and sing Frank Sinatra. You got to have a wow factor when you're on these shows. And if you don't have a wow factor, it's boring. So when I come out there looking the way I look and I sound like Frank Sinatra, they're like, whoa, where did this guy come from? Yeah. You know, so and I stuck with that too, because like I said, a lot of my friends and family told me to sing Motown or hip-hop. And I was like, I look like Motown. I look like hip-hop. That's no surprise in me. You have to have a wow factor. You notice most of those people who make it on those shows wow the judges. Like, what? Just happened. You know, and that's that was my wow factor by me sounding like Frank Sinatra and, and doing it well. Wow. And then when you won, you had the, what was it, two-hour live show at uh, Vegas or something, right? Yeah, you had a whole year in Caesars Palace. You get a recording contract with Sony Columbia Records. You win a million dollars. And then you headline Caesars Palace for a whole year. Oh, a whole year? I thought it was just like only two hours. No, it was a whole year. You have you supposed to stay out there for a whole year, but I didn't want to stay for a whole year because I wanted to go see the rest of the world. And I didn't feel like being tied to a ball and chain and see the stars for a whole year when I had the whole world trying to get a piece of it. They're all trying to see me. Why would I just stay in Vegas? Let me go see the whole world, then I'll come back to Vegas. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Go and, and share this blessing with everybody. So that's what I did. I just got out of the whole Vegas contract. And, you know, I started doing my own thing. But but I think that kind of blackballed me because that's the reason why you never see me on America's Got Talent anymore. You notice you never seen me back on there. You see, when the winner wins America's Got Talent, they bring them back and let them pass the torch. They never called me back after that. Really? And I guess because, you know, a lot of those people are in my pocket. They, they was betting on 
Landau's gonna be in Vegas. I got a job for a whole year in Vegas. But I was just like, no, I don't wanna be in Vegas for a year. I'll come back later, but let me go make my album. Let me tour the world. And then when I feel like headlining in Vegas, I'll be there. But I don't think they seen it that way. So I think I blackballed myself as far as the show is concerned. That's why I've never been back on America's Got Talent. And you never been back on the champion show that they have. No, I've never been back on champions. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they had, they had uh, a friend of mine, Sal the Voice, they brought him on champions. He's not even a winner. You know, but he sings Frank Sinatra. So they had to fill that spot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> So it's just, that's just the way it goes. But, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt my feelings or anything like that. It's just, I just think they missed a great opportunity because right. the world, they truly, truly loved my gift and my talent. And, you know, and I stayed humble in it all. And I don't put myself on a pedestal better than anybody else. I didn't even go on the show to win. As far as I thought was, I would get to like, you know, number 12 or something. And then they would get me off the show. And then I would be on the love boat somewhere. The love <laughs> You know, I think I'm going to be singing at somebody's restaurant or maybe get a record deal or, or singing on a cruise ship. I never thought that I was going to win the show. So right. it surprised me as much as it surprised the judges and everybody else. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Well, apparently I have 10 minutes left on the Zoom. I don't know why, but <laughs> I hate Zoom. But any event. Um... So what was your favorite, before we uh, end the show, what was your favorite uh, state that you visited? Uh, I would say it was, you know, after you're talking about after America Got Talent? Yeah. Uh, so many, man. I've been to Shanghai, China. I've been to, I've been to Germany. I've been to Dubai. I mean, there's so many, but as far as the United States, it's probably a toss-up between California and, and Las Vegas. I also love New York, too. So, And then you got Florida. So I don't know, man. That's that's a tough question. Because everywhere I go, I get so much love. And, and every show is different. You know, but I think the biggest show that I've done since Caesars Palace was the Sacramento State Fair. And that blew my mind because the first three rows were elderly white women. They all had... Uh, I love West Virginia and Landau in front of their T-shirts. <laughs> and that was just, that blew my mind. You know, the Sacramento State Fair is like the biggest fair in America. Yeah. It's the biggest fair that you can go to. And I packed it out. It like sold out, man. It was just, it's bananas. What about, what did you do? You still have like part of the million dollars or is it all taxed? Like, how does that work? Uh, when you get the million dollars, Uncle Sam comes knocking on your door like, what up, nephew? <laughs> <laughs> and he takes half of that. You know, that. so when I got a million, I ended up getting like $447,837. Oh, wow. And then I went to do my album with Steve Tyrell, which is my producer from Sony. And my album went 12 weeks on the Billboard Jazz Charts, you know, battling with Adele, Nat King Cole, and uh, Tony Bennett. You know, so I was on the Jazz Charts for 12 weeks at number one. So the album did great. And then it was, um, 
right after that, man, you just you go back on the road, you start doing shows for fifty thousand dollars here, fifty thousand dollars there for you. So you make all that money back that Uncle Sam took, but then guess what? Comes right back to your door. Like now, if you you just making uh, half a million dollars, I need like you know a little bit of half of that. <laughs> you know, so I remember like once I made I made like a little over half a million dollars after Uncle Sam took that from the million. So I'm back up to like nine something. It was it was almost a million dollars again. And then Uncle Sam came and knocked again and he wanted $375,000. And I was an hour late for my show because I was sitting in my green room staring at this check. Like there's no way I'm giving somebody who I don't even know. Ordinary. <laughs> Why does he want to take my money? I just earned it. Like, why would you come and try it? And I was, I was sitting there, I was thinking of all kinds of ways. I was like, I'm going to Mexico. I'm going to go in Canada. I'm going somewhere. I got to get rid of this money somehow where they cannot get it. But, you know, I sent back and did the right thing. I signed the check, went out, did the show. And it was like the worst feeling ever because I just knew I gave away $375,000 to like thin air, like poof. <laughs> but that's the way it is, man. You just the more money you make, the more they take. That's just the way that, that's the way it goes. Yeah, definitely. But you get in that different tax bracket, man. It's just it's crazy, man, how much money they take from you. <laughs> it is, man. It's very depressing. It's like I would it's imagine. like it's like rolling the dice and losing without getting a chance to roll the dice. <laughs> 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 It's crazy, man. And they come and get it every time. Like every time. Once you make a certain amount of money, they come to get it. And if you don't pay that, they will Wesley smack you in the heartbeat. So I pay my tax all the time, on time. Oh, <laughs> uh, damn. Well, like I said, we've I don't know why it's kicking me out so early, but um, uh, is there anything else you want to plug before uh, we head out? Uh, no, not really. I got uh, another book that I'm going to end up putting out because my first book was a uh, number one on Mother's Choice Awards, and I got the Indie Award, and it was called Landau from Washington Cars to Hollywood Stars. It's on Amazon. You can pick it up on LandauMurphyJr.com. Also, all the followers out there, please follow me on Instagram, follow me on Twitter, follow me on Facebook. Let's get those numbers up. And I hope to see you all at one of my shows somewhere here or near or far. You know, just show up and I'll take pictures and sign autographs with the last person out of the building because I'm the first one in, the last one to leave. All right. Always remember to pay it forward. God bless everybody. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you again for coming on. Hey, no problem, man. Anytime. I'll let me again. And I'll definitely share all this um, by tomorrow. It's going to be out by tomorrow. I got to edit it this night. But, uh, all right. All right. Have a good night, man. You too. Peace. Peace. All right. That was a great interview. Wow. What a fun, fun guy to talk to. Great interview. All right, well, that's really going to wrap up today's show. Um, short little interview. Like I said, I'm still trying to work out the whole Zoom thing. And, you know, hopefully I figure that out. I don't know if I will. 
I have to say something real quick. But before, before I go, why do I get these random ass people from Instagram just like adding me for no reason? Uh oh, I was holding that in. God, I was really holding that in. In any event, yeah. Why do I get these random ass people who just like follow me on Instagram and then like start messaging me random shit? Like, I just got a text from this guy. He's like, "Hey," I'm like, "Hi." He goes, how are you doing? I'm like, great. What's up? He says, great. Where are you from? So I tell him I'm on the, I said, I don't really tell people where I'm at. I just said somewhere on the East coast. He said, cool. I'm from FL. Oh my God. This is the, I get these spam fucking emails from these people. And it's the same guy who's like, how do you feel about having me as your sugar daddy? I'm taken by the way. <laughs> I hate these fucking things. I really do. I really, I really hate shit like that. Ugh. It's one of those things. Oh, well. Well, you know, he should be put to sleep. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to end the show on a light note. Actually, no, not an even light note. We're going to play a little bit of Metallica to close out the show. TJTV. Only on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and much more. Speaking of that, I'll see you guys next week, everybody. Love you all to death. Peace out. Follow me on all the socials. Spotify, Anchor.com. Uh, Anchor.fm, I'm sorry. TJ's Vlogs, TJTV, Spear Project, TJTV6 on TikTok. We are growing tremendously on there. Love you all to death. I'll see you guys later. Peace out. Bye.
coming soon to the TJTV podcast. TJTV presents the seven-year anniversary show live on Facebook coming in June. Also, this podcast is sponsored by FNXFit.com. This website has protein shakes, powders, testosterone boosters, gummies, shirts, pretty much anything all about being healthy. Also, by the way, guys, you guys will get 10% off any order that you purchase with my discount code TJGleesack25. That's right, 10% off. And trust me, like 10% off will really help you guys out in the long run. Also, guys, if you don't like any of our products, well, we'll give you a refund with all your money back. So don't worry about that. You know, your money will be back. We'll get back to you once you meet your purchase. So go to FNXFit.com. That is FNXFIT.com. It will direct you to this, you know, awesome looking page. It's really just about staying healthy. And I know a lot of people want to stay healthy, especially during this time with the whole coronavirus out. So go to fnxfit.com, use my discount code TJGleesack25, and you'll get 10% off of any order. And if you guys want to get refunded, well, you'll, you'll get your money back. So uh, that's it. So let's go. Hey, what's up, guys? Do you guys like white teeth? Do you guys want to look good for the prom? Do you guys want to show those white pearls when you guys go out? and not have to wear a mask after you get your vaccine, well, go to brightensmile.com and use my discount code TJGleason657725. You get 25% off of any purchase you guys buy. That's brightensmile.com with my discount code TJGleason. That's T-J-G-L-E-A-S-O-N-657725 at brightensmile.com. Thanks.